Welcome to the Reading for Success podcast, brought to you by the Success League. This podcast focuses on books, articles, and other resources for customer success, provides an overview of each, and gives you an honest assessment of whether or not it's worth your time. Hi, my name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Reading for Success. I'm also the CEO of the Success League, a boutique customer success training and consulting firm based in San Francisco. This week I'm reviewing a new article and we're continuing with part two of How Women Rise by Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith. Today we'll be covering chapters four through 10 or the first six habits that hold women back. If you're a man in our audience, don't stop listening. Both this week's article and these chapters are for you too. Today's article is called The Agile C-Suite a new approach to leadership for the team at the top by Daryl Rigby, Sarah Elk, and Steve Perez. This article was first published in the May and June 2020 issue of Harvard Business Review, and you can find it on their website, hbr.org. Essentially, this article covers the story of a CEO at an unnamed consumer goods company who decided to implement Agile across his executive team and the positive results of that decision. Throughout this article, the authors get into specifics on things like how they made the decision, how each executive on the leadership team played a part in the change, and how they rolled this out across the company and the results they saw. So how is this related to customer success? I know this article may seem like a stretch in terms of its relationship to our field, but honestly, I don't see it that way after reading it. Every leader of a customer success team is sort of like the CEO of their team. And they have the ability to take an article like this and look for ways that they could adjust how they operate and roll those out across their own team. I think in addition, if you're a CSM and aspire to a leadership role in the future, this article will give you great ideas about how leadership is shifting as it moves forward. The discipline of management and leadership is always changing, so you should understand how leaders are applying ideas like Agile to their roles. And finally, if you are a chief customer officer and serving on a team that isn't embracing Agile, you might want to share this article as a way to help move your leadership team toward a more balanced and competitive structure. I really love that this article emphasized cross-functional collaboration. One of my favorite quotes is, the Agile process forces leaders to get out of their silos and work together as a multidisciplinary group, breaking through impediments and pivoting when necessary. I think cross-functional collaboration is the key to success, especially on CS teams. So I love that the authors emphasize this in the article. I also felt that the authors did a great job of outlining the steps the CEO took to gain buy-in from his team on this initiative. On page 68 of the magazine, it's probably page three if you downloaded the article from the website, uh, you'll see a very practical breakdown of the steps the CEO went through to create an agile structure on his team. I think that these steps could equally apply to a CS leader creating agile processes on their own team. One of my favorite parts of this article is that the chart that in the magazine is shown on page 71. It demonstrates across a variety of system components like purpose and values, leadership and culture, talent acquisition, and business processes where an agile approach falls in between a static or an unchanging approach and a chaotic or an unplanned approach. 
I think this visual can be really helpful as you're thinking through the aspects of the program that you're managing. Unfortunately, some of the best statistics of this article are kind of buried in the middle. <laughs> Under the section called the time problem, the authors outlined some of the amazing results they saw from leaders who started to shift to agile. These leaders quadrupled the time they had spent on strategy and they reduced the time they spent on tactical operations by more than half. Those are seriously amazing numbers. And if you're in leadership right now, these stats should be a very compelling argument for moving toward an agile approach, at least on your CS team, if not inside your entire organization. So is this article worth your time? I think every CS leader, but especially chief customer officers should read this article. It will help them support an agile approach on their leadership team and will give them new ideas for how to approach the management structure inside their own teams as well. CSMs who aspire to leadership would also benefit from reading this article to get a good feel for the kinds of issues that leaders grapple with regularly. So I'm going to shift over to our book. Um, today we're continuing with the book How Women Rise by Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith. We're going to be covering chapters 4 through 10, which I know sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. They're pretty short. Um, we'll be mostly focusing on the first six habits that hold women back from advancement in their organizations. Men, please stick around for this, if no other reason than to be better allies to the women in your life. So what is this section about? Chapter 4 is really an overview of the 12 habits that the authors focus on in the rest of the book and note some of the habits from Marshall's other book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, that tend to apply to women as well. The rest of the chapters in this week and next week's episodes cover the habits themselves. We're going to cover the first six this week, and the first of those habits is the reluctance to claim your achievements. This habit refers to the way that some women prefer to spread credit for an achievement around, even if it was solely theirs to claim. Chapter six talks about expecting others to spontaneously notice and reward your contributions. It's a mouthful. And is often seen in conjunction with that first habit. The authors talk about how many women have been taught to think of ambition as really tacky. So they avoid sharing their motivation, achievements, and goals with the very people who could help them advance. And because of this, they are often overlooked for promotions. The third habit in chapter seven is called overvaluing expertise and refers to the difference between men and women's approach to their own career development. On average, women focus on becoming an expert at what they are doing right now and see that as the path to advancement, while men tend to do well enough at their current roles so that they can focus time on building the relationships that will help them get to the next level. Chapter eight, or the fourth habit, is building rather than leveraging relationships. The authors talk about how while great at building relationships, women tend to avoid asking for anything back from those relationships. And while women are very comfortable when other people leverage a relationship with them because it gives them a chance to help someone, they're very hesitant to turn that around and ask for help or support in return. Habit number five is failing to enlist allies from day one. This habit refers to women who, instead of working on building relationships and allies with other leaders when they start a new role, put their heads down and focus on becoming an expert at their job. By failing to reach out to people who they will need to support them down the road, they also miss out on an important knowledge that could actually get them up to speed more quickly. 
And then finally, habit six or chapter 10 is putting your job before your career and refers to the idea that some women become so entrenched in their current jobs out of loyalty to their company or loyalty to their team that they fail to see the bigger career picture for themselves and stay in a role too long or decline important career opportunities out of loyalty. So what do I agree with here? I really like that the authors call out in chapter four that there are several gender neutral bad habits that were a part of Marshall's first book. In fact, What Got You Here Won't Get You There was a book I read many years ago, and it is one that I recommend to anyone who feels stuck at their current career level, regardless of gender. I'm not planning to cover that book on this podcast, but if none of the habits in How Women Rise really resonate with you, you should read through chapter four and see if it might be worth reading Marshall's first book instead. There are two things I really like about the habit chapters in this section. First, the authors provide a real life example of each habit and the impact it had on that woman's work and career. And second, they provide ideas and advice on how to break the habit so they don't just leave you hanging. In the chapter on being reluctant to claim your achievements, I thought that the point the authors made on page 74 about either or thinking was very powerful. They talk about the fallacy of thinking that you're either a shameless self-promoter or a self-effacing martyr, Um, but they point out that there is a middle ground, and by finding that for yourself, you can become more comfortable with claiming your own achievements. The chapter on habit three, which is called overvaluing expertise, has a very nice section on four different kinds of power. The power of expertise, the power of connections, the power of charisma or authority, and the power of position. And the authors advise that women strive to build the first three in balance so that they can attain the power of position more easily. I thought this section really highlighted an interesting way to look at how focusing too much on expertise can throw off some other important sources of power for women. And then the last thing that really stood out to me in this section was the example of the authors um, that they used in the chapter on putting your job before your career. This particular example really highlighted how family expectations and guilt can drive some of these habits, especially for women who are often faced with a higher degree of family obligations than men. And I thought that was an important thing that they called out. So what do I disagree with? I have to say, I don't really disagree with anything in this section, although I will say that most of these particular habits didn't personally resonate with me. I have read ahead, and I know some of the ones in the next section absolutely apply to me, and so I'll share that with you on the next episode. Uh, One thing that I do wish the authors had elaborated more on this section on mentors and sponsors, which is in chapter nine, um, they talked a lot about how it can be hard to find a mentor or a sponsor, but really focused mainly on doing so inside your own organization. I think in large companies, there are often programs designed to help you with this, although you still need to do some work to get one, which the authors also emphasize. What I think they failed to touch on is the idea of pursuing a mentor or a sponsor outside of your organization, which I think is important to consider if you work in a startup or a growth stage company. Of course, if you can still find an internal mentor or sponsor, that is awesome. But as the authors noted, there are fewer people available to be sponsors than those who want and need sponsorship. So if you're having a tough time connecting with someone inside your organization to fill this role for you, I think it's worth considering looking at influential people outside of your organization. This could be an industry thought leader or someone you've connected with in your field who is just further along than you. 
the authors do touch on the ideas that you can also create a network of people to give you ideas and help you move your career forward, which is easier than trying to find that one big relationship. Personally, I have never found that one sponsor or one mentor in my career, and I have focused on building a network that includes thought leaders, strong business leaders, and a professional coach. And I take away different things from each person in that network. I find getting advice and encouragement from different perspectives to be really helpful. So is this worth reading? Anyone who is an aspiring CS leader should at least read chapter four, which will give you ideas and direction on how best to use the rest of this book and will potentially point you toward Marshall's other book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. If you're a senior CS leader of either gender, I think this section will give you important insights into the habits that may be holding back some of your team members in their careers. So I think this is an excellent coaching resource for you. And finally, if you suspect that one of these six habits is holding you back in your career, read that chapter. I found that the habits I have the strongest response to, either negative or positive, are the ones that I'm dealing with to some degree. So as you read through the habit titles, I would recommend reading the chapters that you, resp you respond most strongly to, even if you're thinking, there is no way that is me. If you're reading along with me, next episode I'll be covering chapters 11 through 16, or the last six habits. These are pretty short chapters and easy to read, so don't worry, you can do it. And if you don't already have this book, you can find it on Amazon, and I also realize you can get it on Audible as well, and the authors are reading it on Audible, so bonus. Uh, since this is a brand new podcast, if you like it, please take a couple of minutes to rate it and subscribe. You can also email feedback and ideas to me at kristen at thesuccessleague.io. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join Reading for Success next time.